listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast, affectionately known as The Mog, an open forum and promotional outlet for budding artists and creatives from all across the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Brad Cox, not necessarily affectionately known as anything other than Brad Cox, but I'm here all the same. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on The Mog. Friends, East Coastians, and country men and women of all ages, welcome to the MOG. As always, links for our guests will be made available in the description, and a song or some type of promotional feature will be tacked on to the end of each episode. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Capricost Books, Musicland, Black Eyed Susie's, Double Groove Brewing, Baltimore Decal Gal, and Reb Records. Remember to love local, support local, and to eat and drink local. Don't forget to use discount code MOG. Pod for a 10% discount at Capricost Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing one of Black Eyed Susie's legendary orange crushes and a killer lunch or dinner. Black Eyed Susie's has been supporting local for a long time. It's your one-stop spot for original and cover entertainment and an afternoon or evening out with friends on their rooftop deck. If you haven't heard, there's something very special about Double Groove Brewing. It's a melting pot of personalities, ages, loves, interests, and musical tastes. There are hippies, professionals, rockers, folk artists, friends and families here. Throw in the most delicious and satisfying craft beer on the planet and this place is complete magic. They are tireless supporters of the local talent. Stop by their location in Forest Hill for a pint and a night out with friends. Just announced, the Lords of 52nd Street, the ultimate Billy Joel band, is coming to the Amos Center on February 12th at 7 p.m. For tickets, just go to tickets.harford.edu. The Golden Dragon Acrobats are returning to the Amos Center on March 20th at 3 p.m. This unique Cirque Spectacular showcases traditional Chinese acrobats who dazzle with amazing feats of athleticism. For tickets, go to tickets.harford.edu. Also just announced, the Red Hot Chili Pipers are coming to the APG FCU Arena on March 8th at 7.30 p.m. The band's achievements have reached incredible heights with their groundbreaking fusion of traditional Scottish music and rock pop anthems, which they proudly call Bag Rock. Tickets are available at apgfcuarena.com. Anthony Hurley is a mainstay singer, songwriter, and musician out of Baltimore, Maryland. I've had the opportunity to watch his story unfold, and I can assure you we have a lot to unpack. Because what makes for a good song is a good story, and Anthony has one. From Seven Days Torn to Rosabella to branching out on his own, one thing is for certain, the fire inside of him just keeps burning brighter. He's a hell of a vocalist, a father, and a husband, and he's here today to talk about how he holds it all together. Join me in welcoming Anthony Hurley to the mod. Anthony, welcome to the Mouthful Graffiti Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Rapola Entertainment is bringing A Sound of Thunder, Fire in Elysium, Rider, Cyberstrike, and Kaluna to Zen West on March 26th. Have you been to Zen West yet? We have. We have been there. What yep. do you think of that venue? I think it's pretty cool. I think it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's nice. We played there probably about a year and a half ago. And... uh it, it it was a good time. It's a small venue, but it's it's uh, it's it's nice when it fills up. It's kind of the happy marriage of like Chili's and Fletcher's, right? Like right if you right. took Chili's <laughs> and Fletcher's, <laughs> right, right, and the I TVs eat, in the background are cool. I did eat the food too. It's not bad. 
Okay. Yeah. Transcendent events. Obviously, that's Kevin Hawk has the noise. Breakforth glitch. Their farewell show and Overdriven coming to Angels Rock Bar on February fourth, which is actually this Friday. Being in the scene as long as you have been, are you able to keep up with all these newer bands? No. And no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought about it. We should. We would talk about that too because coming from where I've come from, you know, like you said, I've been I've been playing in Baltimore for a long time. I, I feel like I'm detached from that now, and maybe it's because of, uh, you know, age or whatever. But I remember back in the day, you know, when I say back in the day, uh, Fletcher's, and we were just talking about Fletcher's and things like that. Yeah. The the biggest thing was there was a scene, you know? There what was. I mean? there, what I mean by a scene, you know, obviously, you know, like... Uh, you, there were there were bands that were a similar mindset. There was definitely a scene of of, of bands that really pushed each other competitively, but like in a in a friendly way. But also like the you know people would come to see a one band and find another band. And I felt Fletcher's was really a hub for that. And um, yeah, I don't know if that still exists or not, man. I just you know I got older. I have a job now. I always do music nonstop. But that my the days of me like going to the city. It, it's it's just we used to go all the time, man. We would go to like the eight by ten. I that's where I started. I would go to the eight by ten on Monday nights. They would have an open mic night, and um, you know there was amazing talent there. Amazing talent. Yeah. Like I met so many good people that I mean Kevin Kadish used to go there, and Kevin Kadish is I don't know if you're familiar with him. He moved to Nashville, did all about that bass, just wrote uh, yes, Morgan yes. Wallen, uh, um, whiskey glasses. I mean he's like a huge singer-songwriter now, right? And he used it's to crazy. show up there randomly. Um, there was a girl named Nikki from a band called Jesnick. There was a band called Cloudbreak. These guys yeah, were... Yeah. I mean, these guys were excellent musicians, you know. Anyway, I like what Kevin Hawk tries to do. You yeah. know, he tries to bring that back. And uh, I think that's cool. I just think that... I mean, I don't... I try not to be negative about it, but I feel like uh, music in general and just like live music in general, everything has migrated to the internet. So, you know, it's it's... It's definitely different now than it was when I was basically coming up when I was in my you know teenage years and stuff. Sure. And um, well, now everybody has recordings that sound top notch. Sure. Back in the day, everybody's recordings sounded like local music to some degree. Sure. Now everybody's coming out of the gates with these recordings that sound like like a national product. Sure. Or at least a national product compared to. Back in then, right, right, right. I, I agree with that. It's funny too because you can kind of over overproduce your stuff very easily now too, right? Yeah. And it, and I think that's where it's gone. It's gone from like you know a true demo to like bumping it up to what it should be to like starting out of gates with like auto tune to right a hundred and like you know everything right. quantized, everything just perfect, and it kind of steals the soul of of a lot of music, right? Like I don't know, I, I've seen that music is like a fine. You have to figure out like, okay, what is the raw talent in in this music, and don't take it away from it because if it's super easy to just go into a studio and be something you're not, right? right? I I don't know if I'm articulating that. No, you are, because like like I I, I feel I, like with some ahead. of the earlier records that I almost want to like take them down or re-release them and call them demos so people have context for why it sounds the way it sounds. Sure, but. Also, there's something to that, too, because you can't recreate that energy or that mindset that you had when you recorded those records. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I might have a – my very first uh, record sounds probably in the vein of, like, Nirvana Bleach. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to re-record it because right. that would lose the entire vibe. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm as guilty as the next guy of, like – 
You know, I worked with Frank Marchand a lot. Frank is Frank is the Punisher. Uh, I mean, he. I've heard a lot of good things. Oh my god, yeah. Me and Frank have had a love hate relationship. Basically, he would hate me and be like, "Get get the hell out of my studio," <laughs> and like. But just because I think at the time, you know, I didn't know about recording, and even even still, I'm, I'm it's not like a you ever know the formula, right? But he would he would coach you into. I would always want to make it better and better. Hey, let's add this harmony. Let's you know pitch correct this and right. do this and that. And you, uh, he, I think he used the analogy: don't over pet the bunny because then you would kill it. You know, I, I, some stupid. Is that the Green Mile? There's something like that. He yeah, it yeah. stuck with me though. Like you keep petting the bunny because it's so cute and pet it, pet it, pet it. And next thing you know, the bunny's dead. Right, you know? right. <laughs> A tragic ending. Yeah. So like, I think I, I always, I would always admire records like Rage Against Machine's first record, oh, where good. it was like recorded live. You know what I mean? Sure. And that vibe is there. It's inside that record. Like when you play that record, it it feels alive. It's like blah, you know, and it's just raw. Right. And then compared to like uh, newer records, like um, what's this new gent band that every the Architects, right? Well, th- these are bands that are amazing, amazing yeah, yeah. bands. But something has detached, at least for me, in these newer style, like heavier bands, where everything is quantized, everything is perfect, all the vocals are, you know, there's no like uh, flaws in it. It's like it loses every- something. I definitely like like raw talent, and when that comes through. In, in a in a recording, I think it it separates itself from anything else, you know, yeah. or I don't know. That's just my opinion, you know. <laughs> so not keeping up with necessarily the newer bands, who were some of your favorite bands from like back when there was like the scene that we kind of grew up with? Oh, a local or like national? Yeah, some of the local ones. Oh my god! So there was so much talent back then. I came up with like I was in a band called Seventies Tour. And we toured with Hailstorm, yeah, a lot. I I used to think, you know, Lizzie was like. Just a, a once in a, a lifetime talent, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, okay." But that that was one thing. I, I was never really taken by the. Uh, and again, nothing against Lizzie. I their songwriting was okay to me, it w- but it was more like their talent was like, "Wow." It was that it, voice. It was that voice. Yeah, but like songwriting, I would like Ballyhoo. Like we played with Ballyhoo all the time, and we played with them up in like CBGBs. I remember one time back when it still yeah. existed in New York. That place, and that man. was like it was. It's funny, like you play with so many talented bands. Um, you know, Lennox. I can go on, but Ballyhoo. I remember we had played with them tons, and I would always think they were good. But um, a, a lot of times, you know, you're playing a show, you don't pay attention. But that was the night where I actually sat down and I was like, "All right, let me just check these guys out." And he blew me away. How yeah. it was, it's just amazing. And uh, I just thought to myself, I was like, "Man, it's really sad that these people are so good and that nobody knows who the hell they are." And um. Lennox is another one. Um, uh, we played back in the day with like uh, Voodoo Blue. And oh, yeah. There was a, there was a band called uh, Roto Glow. Did you ever hear about that? I they, never heard okay. Roto Glow. They were from DC. I, I talked to uh, Jerome Mafia. Mafia. I, th- I think I said his name right. We talk about them all the time because he he's aware of them. Uh, they were from DC. Just an incredibly talented band. Um, just the songwriting, the style, everything about them was insanely good. They were like a mix of Alice in Chains and like, I don't know how to explain it, maybe like a raw Southern rock mix with Alice in Chains, but with their own style. And they had like punk thrown in there somehow too. They were definitely unique, and uh, but had super, super catchy songs, super well-written songs. So anyway, those, those are some of the bands that I really looked up to. Again, Kevin Kadish, uh I followed him a lot, and I still follow him. Um, if anybody doesn't know who Kevin Kittish is, is he, he um, like I said, he 
He was a singer-songwriter that started here in Baltimore, uh, Taos, and I think- A couple in, guys did go that way, like Dan, is it Dan Brook? Dan Book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did that as well. He, he's from Food Blue, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and now he's a successful- and Mitch Allen. Mitch Allen, right. And those were the guys that I thought- They, they always I, had that knack for writing. Yes. And I've always, and, and you, on, to be honest with you, Dan and uh, Mitch Allen, they were amazing performers too. Uh, not, so, not so much, I guess, Kevin. Kevin was a great writer and singer. Um, I remember one time, and we were at the 8x10, and just, you know, there's like 80 people there, and he comes up on the stage and had like this Latin-style guitar. He's kind of like an eccentric-type guy, you know, who has his fingernails painted, and I'm like, I I didn't know what to expect from this guy, you know? he Sure. And um, he just sits down there, just him and his guitar, and um, starts singing these like incredibly written pop songs, like that... Not pop, but just super catchy, just super well written, chord structure, everything. And it turns out he went to Berkeley. You know, obviously he's very well trained. Very, uh, he yeah. knew what he was doing, but it didn't seem like that. He's just said eight by ten, you know, whatever. So he starts playing, man. And um, there's been a couple times during my career, uh, or I say career, just the time playing here in in the city and stuff, where I've actually seen everyone shut the hell up and just like turn to the stage and just be quiet. Yeah. And just pay attention. That's Lizzie a, had that effect too. Of course, yeah. yeah, she did. Like we would play uh, with uh, another story with Hailstorm is we would play at this place in the Red Line, Red Line, Pennsylvania. It was a little place, man. And uh, Torsten, you know, I want to. I don't remember. I just remember it had it had like this balcony up, across the top of it, but it was very tiny. Imagine like um, okay, I think I think that like is the eight by ten, but yeah. like a small. It's like this really small bar, and um, we rolled in there and. Um, you know, nobody knew who Hellstorm was at the time or Seven Days Tour. Nobody About did. to like, find out. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and and I remember the guy, you know, the, the owner of the bar was like, what, what are y'all, like Aerosmith or something? You know, because we got like all this <laughs> Exactly like it. Right, 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 right. But yeah, he, they were, you know, just a bunch of locals there. And um, It's at least the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. And, and Hellstorm, you know, we would go back and forth. You want to open or you want to do, ah, I'm like, whatever. You know, so she opened up and she had this thing where like they would just play some ambient, you know, music and just kind of really get you comfortable. And, and then she'd come out and do this vocal exercise that, that just drew everybody in. You're like, holy crap, I'm about to watch some girl. Like, was, it's not you was it that that I, the song i i'm not really sure i don't remember I, I don't remember the names of their songs i just i mean we play with them so much I, if i hear the song i'm like oh yeah because it was yeah. funny too is uh when they released their first record it had been held for like two years or something and some of the songs on that record i i remember her playing like four years prior really? you know what i mean yeah it's crazy but yeah she was another one and it, then we would come back to the the same place in Redline, right it's 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 funny how Matt Davis would talk about this. He's like, you got to build an audience. You got to, you know, you got to just put in the work. That with Hailstorm and Ballyhoo and a couple of these bands, I actually saw that progression work. Like you show up to a bar, there's ten people there, fifteen the locals. You put up flyers. This is old school, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you come back six months later, there might be sixty people there, and that's impressive. And you're like, man, we're we're doing something. Then you come back another six months later, and now the place is like almost full if not full yeah. and i just never seen that happen you know it, it doesn't it, seem like it's like that maybe a little bit but it, it can be but it, it seems like the shows are more often packed with uh, friends and friends, family family and right? other bands sure sure other bands exactly. not like fans uh, in the sense that but yeah. i feel like when we used to play shows at the record theater or whatever it would be like packed with fans yes like people a, that genuinely wanted to go out, right? And it's, they wanted it's, to be a part of your scene. Sure, sure, yeah, and see live music that's good. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. It's like 
when you book shows, you don't book shows. Uh, again, I, I don't, I don't want to come off too opinionated and stuff like that, but uh, I feel like you should book shows for everyone to be good. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This band, you know, knows this guy or this band can sell this many tickets. Does the bill make sense and try to, you know, make it the best show you can. And you should want to be playing with the bands that are better than you all the time, all the time. Lennox actually took us under their wing and I always tell the story about how we realized, okay, we've got to start practicing and get our our, our stuff together. Yeah. Uh, It was the very first time I heard, like it was a single, like three of their songs. And it was the first time I heard a local record that sounded like a like a national product. Right. And I was like, okay, so here's the bar. And we really enjoyed playing with them because it was like, okay, th- we're still not there. We're still not there. And we just kept working at it and working at it and working at it. And you play with better bands, you get there eventually. You got to, man. Yeah. You got to play with people that are better than yeah. you, right? But, you know, I, I talk about this all the time with my friends. And, you know, I'm still really good friends with my the drummer that used to play in Rosabella and – he, he helps me produce some of my own stuff. And it's just, um, it's a different environment now. And I think, you know, it depends on what you define as success. But a lot of the guys in Rosabella, like, uh, you know, we recently had one of our, our rhythm guitar player left. And uh, and 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 my my friend who I'm talking about, his name is Eric. Um, he used to play drums in Rosabella. They just didn't find the value anymore in playing out live. And just basically that antiquated, you know, structure of, we're going to go out, we're going to play live shows, and then we're going to get sell tickets, and then we're going to build a scene. It, it, like, they are more future-looking, future and they, they were telling us, you know, five years ago, hey, this is kind of a, like a dead model, and we need our, – our internet hmm. game needs to get, you know, up, up to here. Like, if you look at new bands, they're releasing singles, they're not releasing records anymore. They're, right. They're, the, the content online is that, – that's where it's all at, right? And you can reach people in Ohio and Alaska, and you can have a fan base much quicker than thinking small-time, like, you know, just – I say small-time, but – The way we so, used to do it. Correct. But here's the thing. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it's a, it's, it's a mindset, and I think you – you know, to me, Rosabella kept going um, because we have a love and a passion in, in, for writing music, playing music, and and playing it well. Like you want to be able to uh, do your craft in front of people and live. I, I didn't want to just be, you know, an internet band uh, where right. at, at some point you you gonna you know you're gonna have to show people that you can actually do this stuff, right? right? And and we also take pride in that and. and and being good at your craft, but I think you also need you need to adjust. You need to adjust, and you need to realize that we're in a different world than we were back then. You know, sure. But uh, yeah, it, well, it, it's it's crazy, right? Like how things have evolved, and uh, you really just need to go with it. Yeah. And yeah, the, the platforms have obviously changed. Spotify being a big one that's kind of controversial right now, but sure. that one title, all these different online companies, and and how do you? use those to your advantage. Right. There's a lot of people out there that do see the value in like really bumping their streams. Yeah. Like, but kind of coming from an older mindset, I don't really see that value. I still see the value of going out and playing when you can play. Right. That to me is a little bit more real. You're going to get real sales. Sure. But anyway, we did, we played a lot of shows in the early 2000s together. Do you remember where we met? Because I want to say it was either (laughs) a Monkey Barrel show, like one of Skip Dixon's like kind of like band get togethers. Wow, that's funny. Or was it was it the Thunderdome? Maybe I don't know, man. I 
I've, I just feel like I've known you forever. Honestly, we've been playing music for so long. Yeah. I, that's a good question. I, I don't. My, my memory's blurry anyway. I mean, huh, I started, you know, uh, a long time ago with a band called Mason Dixon. That was my first. I was going to ask you if there was anything before Seven Days yeah, Torn. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my first band. And, and, and I started that in uh, 8x10, um, doing like Southern. I wanted my, my thing was like to do like a. Instead of Southern rock, I wanted to do rock Southern. Basically, it's more rock, less Southern, but still with a, Rosa a touch Bella of Rosabella has a touch of that. Yeah, and that's always been my... With the acoustic... Yeah, like know, yeah. I, my earliest memories of, of, of loving music, it was... It, I've, I've always been kind of just jacked up in my brain, but you know what? You're, you're a product of why you started to love music, right? So my father listened to a lot of like 60s and like... I remember... Anyway, he, country. So... Like country was a part of like I loved Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, like all this like old country, and that's really what. But then my mother, she like would turn me on to like Stevie Wonder, and like Stevie Wonder opened up something to me that I'm like, God, this guy's melodies are just infectiously really really good. So that was like the root of what I loved about music. I'm like, I, I like both. So and and I like like the R and B like vocal melodies and things like that, but. Yeah. I also like the storytelling of, you know, country music and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. But I, I just uh, I started with Mason Dixon. I, I had that idea and we did that for a while. I played with a guy named Wolf Ship who uh, went on to have other bands too, like Solar Cult. Yeah, he's uh, in North Carolina now. Yes. Yeah. So like we grew up together and um, we used to write songs in, in, in a little like window nook in my house and just with like a little recorder and he, we both had like this emphatic like love for music, and I think uh, that was cool, man. That, that was a really cool time in my life. And then, uh, then we started a band called Seven Days Torn, um, and you know things happened, and well, I, you know, I was on drugs. I mean, I did a lot of drugs, man. I did, I, I'm not going to even lie about it. You know, I was I was going to bring it up, but then yeah. I was going to let you kind of walk into it as much oh, as you yeah, wanted yeah, to. Yeah. And I can I can I, I see it now, right? Like, looking back, you know, those times. Uh, in those days, you know, people were doing, I mean, not hard drugs, man. I mean, some hard drugs, but for the most part, you know, everybody's just smoking weed and, and drinking a lot. And the drug issue was, was an issue. And I don't think we saw it because we were just seven days torn did so much. Uh, we, you know, we were touring, we were playing in Canada. We went to LA. It's you the know, rock we, and roll lifestyle. I mean, that's I mean, what it, it is. It was. And, and I think it started catching up, but at some point, um, well, anyway, the band Seven Days Torn that I was in, you know, for those who don't know who this band is or who I am, um, we we were uh, we were a band that in in the late two thousands, I guess. Or no, I'm sorry, early two thousands, yeah. and um, we played kind of like rock music with always pop sensibilities, I guess, if you yeah. would, if you would, and uh, we did a lot of good things and big things. I feel like we've played, you know, we opened up for Third Eye Blind and. You know, big bands back then, um, SR seventy one, Papa Roach. You know, th these big, big shows. And um, but I felt, I don't know, man. It, uh, that taught me a lot about the the business and writing. And it was a real, real grind. And that that band, I think, reached its peak. We we felt we were going to get a deal in Canada. That's a whole another story. But yeah. um, after after things kind of just dwindled off and. We got sued by our manager and came back to Michael Baltimore. told me some of these stories, actually. Yeah. Oh, they're insane. Um, <laughs> I think that the original core band, 
had had it, man. We came back to Baltimore with our tails between our legs, thinking that we were going to be rock stars. And then we were like, man, what do we do now? We have to start over. Right. And, you know, so the drummers. Do you have the energy to do that? Dude, it's like, like I was listening to Tom Brady talk about, you know, retirement or, or Aaron Rodgers. And he's like saying, it's kind of like that with bands. I mean, do you have the energy to commit to the next season, right? Because you have to sign up for how much work that is next, you know, the next go around. And he was like, I don't know. I really have to level with myself before I sign up for this next season because you, you got to be all in with all, everything. So that's the same way with the and band. And not just ride a serotonin drop, you know, like. Right. Right. So I feel like, good right now, right. but like the reality is tomorrow I could feel awful. Good. Right. So, you know, um, anyway, I, I left Seven Days Torn. Um, yeah, I was curious, like the whole transition, because I was talking to Matt Boyitz mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday or two right. Saturdays ago at the studio, and he right. was like, Rosabella's been together for like 15 years. Yeah. I was like, 15 years? So then I went back to Spotify and I realized that the first record did come out in 2009. So that's like 13 years. I'm like, yeah. okay, damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what pulled seven days torn apart? Okay, so I would say a lot of tension between me and Mike. Uh, a lot of tension, but you know, at the time, I, I I take it upon myself, man. I I was I was doing drugs. I was I was outing myself from the band. Uh, you know, I I was on my own head trip. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, I was going through a lot of stuff. You know, at the time, my my mother had cancer. My father. You know, I was going through a lot of. And I, I, you know, looking back on it now, I, I just reflect back on like I was just in a dark place, and it's, it's the classic, you know, kid doesn't have anything to, anywhere to go. He just immerses himself. And I had like the studio always to go to. I would go to the studio and write my songs and and just kind of immerse myself into to this life, this dark life. And um, at some point, man, I just had to be like, you know, this I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die, or, you know. I felt like I didn't have anybody. I didn't, no one loved me. My, my, the only person that loved me in my life was going to die. And, mm. uh, you know, and, and that, that, the death sentence of your, your mother being, you know, having cancer and like, that was really heavy on me. So, and again, I can talk freely about it now because I've dealt with those demons. And, um, but looking back, I blame myself for the, the, the collapse of seven days torn. I mean, uh, on my behalf, you know, so I I got I got out of that. There's also the glass ceiling phenomenon. Not to interrupt or sure. anything, but sure. where you feel like you were saying coming back with uh, your tail between your legs, how are we going to get any higher than this? Right, and it almost seems uh, in vain doing some of the smaller things again, and that can tear a band apart. Well, yeah, you know, you can't have an ego. That's that's the biggest thing, right? It's like I never I had an ego. I think it, it's it's hard not to, but then. Like seven days touring, okay. One of the pinnacles of what we did, you know, um, we got invited up to uh, Mississauga, Canada, and we recorded uh, at Metalwork Studios, which was like one of the biggest studios in North America, and you know, Guns and Roses, all these people, and um, Universal Records had had us basically locked in, and they just wanted the first dips on our our demo, and so we recorded this demo, which I hated, and I think the whole band hated, just because. They assigned this guy to like uh, produce it uh, and rewrite the music. And- not rewrite it, but just hey, man, you know we should do this and this, and it right. was just a lot of headbutting. And uh, you know, this guy was. <laughs> we had- 
It reminds I, me I can when tell you some stories. I don't know if they're appropriate for here, but like, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of that. But what's crazy is like we went to this huge studio. They paid for like models uh, to come and do a big uh, video shoot up there at a skate park, and um, you know we we had it at That's the time. Cool. Yeah, I mean it was like legit production. Yeah. We're shooting videos with like pro skaters and like these model girls and. But that was the image they wanted for us. They wanted us to be like this uh, Avril Lavigne, like, and we were more like a rock band. We weren't, yeah, you, the, but they were like, "This is what we want for you," because like the people that we were working with were like involved with like Sum Forty One and like you know a lot of these. Uh, so more the, of a pop punk direction correct. than an alt rock direction. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we kind of killing the soul of the music at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was queer. It was weird, man. And. You know, we, we had a guy at, at one of the songs that they thought it was a big song. We had a, a kid from the hardcore scene in, in Baltimore. He sang in a uh, band called Envision. Um, you know, he was there and he he had like this hardcore part in the middle of this kind of pop rock, not pop, pop hard rock song. And then that, you know, middle part was just down and, and dirty with screaming. Yeah, yeah. At the time, that was like, you know, <laughs> in retrospect, it, it was what it was. But anyway, that that was the pinnacle. We're thinking, man, if they're putting out this much money to, you know, do a, this level of a recording and video shoot and all this other stuff, we're, we're on our way. You know what I mean? Sure. And, um And then just some dirty stuff happened, man. Like, you know, our, our management shopped us to other labels when he wasn't supposed to. And then the label dropped us because of ethical reasons and and i don't blame them for that at all and then our manager like sued us for um basically he it, it, it gets uh it gets kind of ugly but anyway long story short is we had to end up painting uh an attorney's house to uh to afford you know legal did you have diane uh, yeah yes we diane did Davison? yes yes yeah we ended up painting her house to be able to afford the uh, retainer we just won our, our federal lawsuit on the trademark debacle that we went through gotcha and, and she was our lawyer gotcha yeah well at the time Great well, attorney. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well at the time we had no money so but anyway after all that kind of stuff happens man it's like you you're you're just like uh, this is not what I thought just, this was It just blows up your band. You know what I mean? Sure. It's, just, it's like, boom. Yeah. You're a hell of a singer-songwriter, Anthony. Thank and you. you were another band alongside Lennox. I told you the story about how we knew that we needed to raise the bar. You were another band that was doing that at the time. Did you want to play maybe something on the acoustic for us? Sure. Something new. Because you're doing a, a new project <laughs> that's entirely a solo project, right? Correct. So um, I'll just uh, preface this real quick. I, I'm the singer of... Um, Rosabella and Rosabella is is like a straight up rock band. We I play with some amazing musicians, man, and uh every guy in, in the band is much better than I am and I've always wanted that. Like like I told you, you know, you always want to be around people that are better than right. you. Uh Matt, you know, boy it's uh is our bass player. He's an incredible musician, he incredible is. person. Um He's always set the bar super high for me. And uh, our our guitar player, uh, his name is uh, Eric Pindell. He is another uh, phenomenal, amazing talent. And um, I've always been surrounded. Rosabella's had um, other people in our band as well, like uh, uh, Steve Wozniak. I don't know if you know who Steve Wozniak mm -hmm. is. I mean, he's just an incredible musician, too. Truth of the Night? He, correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just anyone who's ever been associated with us or played with us has always been really, really good. So I've always felt like the odd man out and like, I'm just hanging on by my teeth or whatever. But so, uh, I started to do my own. Nah, man, you're great. I appreciate it. Like I said, I, I think the reason I still play with Rosabella and everything is that, uh, they, they hold me to a, a higher, a bar, uh, as far as like, 
Uh, nothing in Rust Belt comes easy um, because there's everyone's so good. It, it's it's difficult sometimes for us to write songs because of everybody has such a high bar. So sometimes I write songs that um, just don't make the cut. You know what I mean? And uh, but they make your cut. They make my cut. Right. And uh, I I'm really interested in like singer songwriter stuff. I like like uh, like the indie country scene that's going on right now. I like you know different things. The so, rock southern. What's that? The Rock Southern. <laughs> rock Southern, right. Um, so I I was like, man, I should I've always wanted to cut my own record. And uh I say record because I'm I sound like an old guy, but uh yeah, so I just catalog these songs and then I start writing new songs and that's it, man. I, I still, you know, love to play with Rosabella and everything, but I wanted to do my own thing and just uh so basically where I'm at right now is I, I give you a song uh I, I went into our studio. We have like, uh, you know, Pro Tools and uh, Universal Audio Interface at, at our studio. And we, we can record to a certain level. And e Eric really is the the brains behind that. Eric Altvader is, is our old drummer. And uh, during COVID, we just sat there. And every Friday night, man, we'd get together and just, hey, let's lay these songs down. We had so much fun. We bonded. We talked to, we talked to really about these songs. We we said, what's the story you want to tell? And we, we did, you know, we took it as like a singer songwriter and producer uh approach with it we're like let before we just hit record let's like methodically think about what we're doing here you know and let's try to do this the right way we got right. nothing but time so we did that man and uh one of the songs that i gave you you'll play later uh we can talk about that and um but yeah, I, and I, it's I, not, I wrote this song. Go ahead. Just for the listener, the, the song that we're going to hear at the end, it's not quite complete. So we're only going to hear a little chunk of it, but it is yeah. a demo from your new album. Yeah. Just to put a uh, record. Sorry. <laughs> record, whatever. Right. Yeah. Because honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to release it in that way. So this song, it's funny. My Actually, my wife helped me write this song because I was playing it for her. And she's always like pushing me to be like, less is more. Less is more, Anthony. You know, simple, simple. Just go to simple and like... You've got a great voice and she's probably right because it is hard. We all want to make the songs more complicated. Correct. But the reality is all songs are going to be relative chords to whatever major or minor scale that you're in. I, I saw a little piece of what you were about to play and I'm like, she's right. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's simple, but it's good. Yeah. So. And that's kind of what I was going for in this song. This song's called Ayetja. Which is just an acronym. It's just uh, if I could hold you again. All right, call it I at you. Take it away. What happened to love here? What happened to chance? What happened to shooting stars and our romance? But I don't belong. Need you here, but if I could hold you again, I I deal with the consequence of losing you once again. I I do it down for Where do we go from here? Give me a chance. Shining star and never dim. But I don't belong, I don't belong in here. How do we get back to the place that we begin? If I 
That was beautiful, man. You Thank have you. got an incredible voice. Thank you, brother. It is soulful. Like, you feel that. Like, I was drawn in right there. And I'm doing other things. I'm taking your picture. I'm getting a little video. <laughs> telling my wife the toilet's running. All yeah, those other things. Like tuning but I, my strings. Yeah, but I'm like, that, that's really, really good, man. Thank you, you brother. Thank you. That should that should should have made the Roosevelt cut, in my opinion. That's oh, a great song. <laughs> you got to talk to this guy. I will. I will talk to him on? because those are the songs that stand out. Like we would do a record, and all the songs would be like kind of heavy and in your face, but it'd be that one acoustic song that people would be like, "That's my favorite song." Sure, sure. And and honestly, this song is. I just did an acoustic version of it, but this this is actually you know an upbeat like drums, bass, and like the. Uh, I love it. Yeah, the the record I'm doing with Frank Marchand is going to be incredible. I mean, he he got a um a a really good drummer to play on the on the record for me. I, I the the track that I I'm giving you uh Eric, my my producer that I do all the demo stuff with, he actually programs the drums, but Frank, you know, I gave him the demo and he's like, "Yeah, I really like this, but uh I want to, you know, get some live drums on it and maybe we'll like go tr- you know, tr- trigger some of the stuff, use fake drums in some areas, but I really want to have like real drums but um and and this is nothing you know nothing against rosabella man rosabella like uh anyone who uh is listening to this or genuinely interested you know please uh check out rosabella we have videos timeless is awesome timeless is the 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 latest record record in 2019 correct and we were we're about uh to go into the studio in april to do a new one and uh the band's really evolved and uh but I'm proud of everything that we've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really like I'm I'm humbled that those guys would want to play with me and um, write music with me. And they keep me on my toes. And, um, they, and I'm still able to do like rock music with them. But I kind of want to do both. You know, I, I want to do – I guess you could consider this rock music. But I'm really doing more like a singer-songwriter, just really going for hooks and trying to, you know, harness that craft. But at the same time, playing with um, – Writing with Rosabella is, is kind of like, you know, it's it's tough because everybody is such a good musician and uh, to try to, you know, you know how a band works. It's a, a democracy and uh, that that writing process can be a lot more difficult. It is. And, but it's when, very difficult. when you really nail something with that 
it's really good too, you know. So all of my projects started as solo projects and then I'd bring people in. <laughs> yeah, and... yeah, I noticed that. That's like a popular thing here in Baltimore, right? It's like you do that, Dave Gaskin seems to be that guy, right? But then it becomes this <laughs> thing where it does become a band and you have to start releasing control and I'm not good at that. Sure. I'm a little controlling. Sure, that's why, you know, doing your own <laughs> thing, man, it's like um, at the end of the day, you're trying to see your vision through and that's cool, man. And, and But at the same time, it's gratifying to uh, – with Rosabella, because when you get through that democracy and that hardship of like, you know, everybody be on the same page, you get some really good music too, especially if you're playing with really good guys, you know? Well, we always do a fun questions section of this and okay. we've covered a lot of ground. So we're just going to kind of like take the weight off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Your favorite brand of coffee. Now we were talking pre-podcast, the <laughs> coffee does tend to give you the jitters. So I would not recommend Yubon because right. that stuff is like straight, like lines of Coke. But what is your favorite, <laughs> what is your favorite uh, type of coffee oh man i don't i, I don't I'm, I'm not that guy i'm okay so i'm the guy that goes to the grocery store and buys the uh what what is like the green one uh green leaf or green something i don't know we 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 drink and i i told my wife i'm like i want the light one because if i drink the heavy one i'll start jittering and stuff like that you do realize though that the light coffee like the the light roast is yeah. actually stronger is it really yes God help me. Yeah, maybe so I, maybe I, you I gotta got to do it in, the, in reverse. I got that one wrong, man. <laughs> I, yeah, because I would go into Starbucks and they'd give me like the dark roast, and I'd think I was getting more caffeine. And she's like, "No, it's the blonde roast." I'm like, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I didn't know that. And uh, lately, uh, at nighttime, in you know, coffee doesn't really uh, affect me. It's funny. It does not if if I yeah. drink it a little bit, and uh, I'll put a little bit of Bailey's in there and a little Kahlua. Have you ever had one of those? Well, I, I quit drinking nineteen oh, months ago, but yeah. I would. Yes, I definitely would. <laughs> you can see it's not been long, right? Right. Because <laughs> we would go to restaurants and stuff, and my my one of my uh, wife's favorite things to do is uh, you know drink one of those like uh, you know bumped up coffees at the end of a, a good meal and stuff. I'm like, well, I can make that for you here, and <laughs> you know they're really good, but. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's your coffee. So it's question. the sorry, it was the, the green can. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not like the black yeah. rifle, and I heard all those coffees. Oh yeah, yeah are black great. death. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm not. We're a just chock full of nuts, guys or gals <laughs> and whatever. Um, favorite vacation destination. Ooh. So um, ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, just recent, I, I can just go by. Recently, um, we went down to Knoxville. Okay. And I really I enjoy that area. Um. Uh, we bought a, a huge Sprinter van, and uh, we plan to like travel the country this uh, this year. Um, but vacation destination really is about just to me. Yeah. It's just who, who the people you're with enjoying it. Right. One of the things I've learned is if you go somewhere that you've never been, because a lot of times the tendency yeah. is to try to recreate something that you liked before. Correct. So you, you kind of stay in a loop, but then you realize it's never getting better. It's you're just trying to recreate something that already happened. Yep. So if you do something spontaneous, like one, one year we went to Mystic, Connecticut. It's yeah. like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, sure. And it was like one of our favorite vacations. Isn't so just that, do the new thing. Do the new thing. I like that. I like that. And you know, it's crazy too, is like, you know, I have a family now and you know, I I love my family and like anything we do, as long as everybody's in good spirits. And uh, we, we recently went down to South Carolina and, and uh, visited like some of the old slave plantations and just try to uh, understand our history and stuff like that. And I, that was really interesting. I think anything that you learn something, a little, you know, learn a little something and just do something new for the kids instead of like going to Ocean City all the time, right. which is overpriced and just garbage. You know, I remember Ocean City being great when I was young, but uh, – 
now I feel like I don't know. There's there's other. We'll go at the end of September things. or something because it's yeah. It's the just, kids love the beach, yeah. you know. And I love the beach too, but I would like to do newer things. So I, I like your your take on that. Like just do something spontaneous, do something new, travel, get out. Drop of a ball. pin on a map. Yes, and that's what we're doing. Like we're we're taking the van. Just we're taking the van. We're going to go to you know Tennessee. We'll go to Texas. We'll go you know we want we want to see the Grand Canyon. But what a, what an experience to just travel. Because I know a lot of times when we were touring with Seven Days Tour and stuff like that, it was a, it was a drag. You Let know? me ask you a question. Uh, this is not something I planned to ask you, but you just yep. played that song for us, and, and it's kind of still sticking with me. I love yep. the song. Oh, thank you, man. Why aren't you playing more acoustic shows just as yourself? Because you could do that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> right now, I I have a lot of The reason of plans. I'm asking that no, and bringing fun. that up is because you were talking about Tennessee, and I'm like, you could literally go on a mini Anthony Hurley tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Right now, I have a lot of things in the works. So, so you're like the very first person. I'm glad that you asked me to do this because, you know, I've been planning a lot of stuff. So as soon as this music's done, I plan to be uh, online a lot. And I want to put a lot of stuff out there. I'm going to do some covers. I'm going to do, you know, I'm just going to put a lot of content to, uh, online. And I thought about that. I was like, you know, I play at my church as well. Um, but that's really the only time I'm playing live, you know, so I... I would like to do that. I would like to start playing acoustic um, and and just really get out there and start doing it again, doing my own songs and stuff. It's weird though, uh, you know, a lot of the, the I'd like to connect. So if anybody's listening to this, you know, I'd like to connect with another acoustic guitar player, writer. Um, also, Rosabella is, uh, we're potentially looking for another uh, electric guitar player, rhythm guitar player as well. Um, we don't really put our business out there like on, you know, Craigslist or anything like that. So we just try to let it happen, you know, naturally. And um, ever since our other guitar player has left, it's changed our sound. You know, we went from a two electric guitar band to a one and we, we still wrote, you know, eight more songs. But anyway, I, I, got, I went off on a tangent. I would like to start playing out live. I would like to have, uh, you know, musicians that are maybe interested to accompany me. If not, I would, uh, I might start doing that as soon as this record's done and just, uh, you know, start playing these little corners. I love that. Yeah. You know, I love that. Especially if you go to a, a place and you see somebody who's, you know, fun or incredible. Yeah. It's a great, great feeling, right? I think another thing that tears bands apart is really just getting older and people being at different stages in their lives, whether they have kids or mm -hmm. they're just at a point where they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And my daughter's 20 now. And I've thought about doing just that. Like I could literally take myself out to grab like 15, 20 acoustic songs and just let's go. Yeah. Taking a week or two to do that. So I was just curious maybe why you hadn't done that. You talked about not really being showy, letting the music speak for itself. You're doing a solo project, so you're going to have to kind of become showy. You know, you, yeah. you, I was looking at your Facebook wall. You're not the guy that's promoting his songs constantly. No. Um, I, I've been guilty of that myself. Yeah. So you're going to have to do that, though. I am. You're right. I want to I want to have the content first, at least a good starting point. And, and uh, I think what I'll do is like since I, I'm going to do five or to six songs with uh, Frank, I'll release one at a time. And then I would also like to do these like really humble videos. I, I, I enjoy some of these artists, these indie country artists that literally they just record themselves live, like kind of like what I just did now. Yeah. And just Put it out there. I think a big mistake too that a lot of uh, artists are doing is just like what I'm doing is just holding on to just let it all out. So I'm about to do that this year. I will release everything I have and and I'm going to put myself out there. Is there any trepidation about putting it out there? Like it's not done or you're just like kind of overthinking it. An example would be that video that I sent you before. Well, when I was kind of booking you onto the show. Yeah. 
that I, I've been sitting on that for a long time because I was like, I just don't know if the song's done. I'm just like one of those situations. Sure. Do you feel like that with some of this music? Well, that's what's that, that's what I've been trying to break out of. Like literally, the song that I give you to play today, it's it's literally that's a, the demo of it. Okay. But I'm like, you know what? Who cares? At this point, I need to break out of this. This is not done. Rosa Bella is the same way. We have some, I in my opinion, some amazing songs that we will uh, release in, in in April after we we do this uh, the the new stuff because I'm like, dude. We literally hold on to so much music that who cares? Just let it out. Let yeah. do what it's going to do, right? And we're we're uh, we're very guilty of that um, as well. But you know, if you've if you've seen any of our videos and stuff, we they're great. We've taken the they time. Are. We always take the time to try to do you know mad production, just everything you know, because our your name's going to be on it and have some kind of you know. Uh, you want to show the best version of yourself, but I think uh, at this point in the game, it's just like you got to put yourself out there, man. You got to you got to put as much content. That's what people want to see. They don't want to just see one great thing. If you have one great thing and you don't have anything to back it up with, people are on to the next thing in the next week. They right? are. So you just got to put out content and just bank on your ability and your your likability at you know at your persona online. I think that that's another big thing. If you're just releasing music, that's one thing. You have to do stuff that makes people connect with you as a person, like maybe put stuff in there, you know, uh, you at the studio or you just doing normal things. People right. need to connect with you as a character. And that, I think people have talked about that before, too. That's another problem with rock music in general now is nobody – there's no Fred Durst anymore. There's no, like – uh, you know, big iconic like names that people like identify whether you like these people or not. Right. They were caricatures or you know just bigger than life. Now there's just bands and that nobody know. I don't know who the bass player. I don't know who that guy. Is. You know, I don't even know the singer. Right. That was going to say. And then and then you look at the top ten lists of all these Spotify top ten lists of rock and all. They change every week. They change. So there's not. I don't know. I just th the the days of like, and you're right. I'm thinking about like bands like Shinedown. Like who who sings for that band? Right. I have no idea. Right. Right. But yet right. they're they're famous. They're huge. Right. So I think it's important. People tend to connect with a person more than they do with you know just the, the song. They'll be like, oh yeah, I like that song, but I don't know who that is. So they don't invest in it. You have to really like connect with people, and that's what I'm going to strive to do. You know. Yeah, I've noticed that Lizzie Hale is a great example. Like, she's constantly posting. I was just talking to my she, buddy about it last night. Like, every day, yeah. there's something. There's just a picture of her, like, getting dressed or doing her hair or right. whatever. Yeah. She's constantly out there. I think that... And that's by design, yeah, obviously, right? But the generation we grew up with, it was all about, like, the mystique. Sure. So you actually didn't put yourself out there. You didn't do all the interviews and all the shows and all these different things. It is kind of weird, right? And then... It's everything's on its head. I'm not really, like... Yeah, I've never really been about that. Like that's why I'm uh, like on Facebook. I noticed. I was looking at your page. I'm like, okay, he's this is going to be different for when, him. Yeah, when people uh, meet me, they're they're surprised that I'm as you know uh, outgoing and personable. Yeah. Correct, yeah. and because they're like, man, you don't really. Because to me, it's like this un in thing. You know, in my in my guts, I'm like. I don't like to be that showy guy, like uh, on Facebook and like or or Instagram. Like ah, I did this, I did this, and I did. Th you know, to me that comes off as phony. And but that's really what you have to do. That's the culture now, correct? And it, so it's very uh, against the grain of what I, I'm used to, and I, I acknowledge it, and I have to change that about myself. You know, I get to the point where I'm actually getting on my own nerves. I'm like I, I, I am sick right. of me. Other people have to be sick of me, right? Right, right, right. But right. It, it turns out I'm no. sick of me. <laughs> I am. I love that. I yeah, love that. just yeah. totally over it. So, yeah. you have a great voice. Uh, 
And what I found is that typically this started pretty early on in life. So we kind of talked about your background. You told me about some of the influences your parents like turned you on to. Sure. But when did you start singing? When did you know this is something I'm going to do and I'm going to do it well? Oh, man. Here's the thing. And I appreciate the compliment, first of all. Um, I don't feel like I've always had a great voice. And I don't feel like I, I'm, I've, I'm always a work in progress, right? So like I felt like I was nasally like for a no. big part of my – but a uh, big part of my, you know, coming up. And then I, I, you always try to like look at yourself from outside. And it, that's the biggest thing I've always tried to do throughout my singing. I'm like, or I'll honestly, some, I have some brutal friends and they'll be like, dude, this sounds like this or this. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. And then like a year ago, you know, go by and I'll be like, maybe they're right. You know, maybe. And, and I would try to see where are my weaknesses were, but I think what, where I started was like, uh, we were we we were in a car one time. I was in high school, and uh, uh, Alice in Chains came on, and I loved Alice in Chains so much. And I just started singing in the back of the truck, and we're all driving. And my friends just look back, and they're like, "Dude, you sound pretty good, man." And I'm like, "Oh man, I love this song." You know, they're like, "No, seriously, like that sounds pretty pretty good." So man. somewhere You're in like the nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the late nineties, right? And that's where um the the very first time I actually had the cojones, you know, to sing in front of people i went to the eight by ten the uh open mic night and i first i went there a couple times just to see who else was singing and i'm like not to knock those people but there, there were some people that weren't so great and i'm like i can do better than this i know i can do this right yeah yeah and i'm sure it was awful but it, it gave me the uh the strength to like go up there and do it so but it, it's 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 a work in progress man you you sing your whole life and uh you get around really good singers and you're like, man, I can't do that. Or I, you know, I think another thing too, for me is like character and your voice is more important than like range, uh, range, either you have it or you, and you can, you can fight to get a little bit more in your higher range. And, but if you can sing, man, like from your heart and like really have character, not try to be anybody else. That's the biggest thing too, is like, yeah. I tried to be so many other people and I'm very good at it. Like, uh, yeah, you know, isn't that weird? Yeah. Like I can master them, but I can't yeah. master myself. Correct. And if, and yeah. I had friends that are in cover bands that are done it so long, covers, 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 covers. My friend tells me, he's like, I've been doing cover music for so long. I can be any artist you asked me to be, you know, but he was like, I, I don't know where I am in that mix anymore because I've lost my identity. I just, I'm really good at seeing other people. So I've always tried to like focus on like, if I'm in the studio or if I'm writing a song, don't write it as, you know, I'm going to write this as this guy or this or in your head, just be like, right. Sing it as yourself. And that's hard. That's hard to know it what is. your style is and what you are, you know? And were your parents always supportive of music? No, 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 no. Because rock and roll is the kind of thing that can rub a lot of yeah. parents the wrong way, right? No, no, for sure. My dad was like, uh, you know, you old doing? school country guy. <laughs> yeah, he was like, uh, rock and roll is like oh, noise to him. He would love the new music for sure. Um, maybe, maybe. I, my dad really wasn't like a, 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 I don't know, maybe he would. He listened to like, you know, the old stuff. And I feel like he just, he wasn't very forward thinking with music and he, my my mother was uh, Hispanic, so she would uh, sing all the time in the kitchen, like when she was like making breakfast yeah. and stuff. I, I loved my mom for that. She she always, uh, you know, she didn't apologize for her singing or like she would do it in front of everybody, and she she had that personality. So I, I really love that about her. Yeah, and um, 
Is there a style of music that is kind of a guilty pleasure that people wouldn't assume that you like? Just, you know, just based off what you write. Yeah. Like, are you into like hip hop? Are you into country? Well, you actually said you were into country. Like 80s glam metal, um, (laughs) 70s rock. Right, right. Whatever. No, I I definitely like, okay, so I I like all all music. I know that's super generic, but I'm super into uh, singer-songwriter stuff and... I do like pop music, though. I really do like pop music. I I see the value, man, in 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 a really good song, and I I realize now, you know, e- even like pop country, like bro country and stuff like that. So people hate this stuff, and and I understand Some of it why. I hate. I, no, I totally understand why. But what I'm saying is, I understand what it takes to to make these songs, and and. Some of the like Morgan Wallen is was the newest uh, country phenomenon, right? And he's a he's a good singer and what blah blah blah. But I like to look at like there's teams of guys that are writing these songs, right? Whether it's Jason Isabel who just wrote one great song and he just covered it. I like to look at the people that are creating that music and um and and I know that a team of great writers wrote these ten songs that are on his record. He probably got a hundred songs. They picked the best of the best of the ten songs. You know that are the uh, 10 songs of those 100 so for me I just appreciate a, a well-written pop song now don't get me wrong country is super bad too like some of it is super it bad yeah. oh yeah dude like uh let's I watch, get all the buzzwords in there yeah 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 and that that's that's drinking the, on a Friday with apple pies and no, dogs that's and, the yeah. stuff that I don't like like yeah. I like country music that could technically be a rock song. You know, it's not right. talking about tailgates. It's not talking, we'll put a boot in your ass. You know, like things like that. To, to me, it's very campy and, and hokey. But there is, dude, if you, there is a whole world of singer songwriter indie country that is like amazing songwriters. Right. And they talk about real stuff and they're not looking for those taglines like you're talking about and like Luke Bryan and all these, yeah, you know, yeah. cheesy stuff. And, and, and nothing against Luke Bryan. I think Luke Bryan has some good songs. It's just there, there's some bad songs too. Sure. You know? So anyway, I, I, th- I felt like that was the, uh, the, the downfall of like um, Nickelback. I thought Nickelback is, I still think, and I don't care what people say, they're an amazing band, dude. They're, they, they're so talented, so talented. The riffs, the, uh, you know, the the way they put the songs together, we all like that one song. Who I really am, or whatever it is. I don't know what it. But I feel I feel like the downfall of Nickelback really I think is their lyrics. Their lyrics are cheesy. like cheesy, right? It's campy, it's hokey, and like that rock became that too. Like it has that side of it too, right? Like that can't be like just cringeworthy lyrics that might be like a hot sound bite in that year, but then they don't live the test of time. Five years right. later, you're like, this is so cheesy. So I don't know. You know, that's my opinion. I have a lot of opinions of music. I love music. As a singer-songwriter, I'd imagine, though, you were writing most of the music on the acoustic. That's what I do. Even if it turns into like like a Master Puppets metal-type song, sure. it starts on the acoustic with Absolutely. the same two or three chords. Yeah. You know? And I've had a lot of uh, producers say that, too. You know, And, and it's, I don't know how true that is, man, because like Kendrick Lamar, like he, I was just listening to an interview on him, and you know, those guys work off of beats and stuff like that. So, But, you know, a guy told me he was like, any great song could be played on the acoustic and right. trans- and and I I see that as being true somewhat, but not always. Um, but yeah, anyway, to answer your question, yeah, I, I do write a lot on the acoustic guitar. Um, but in Rosabella, you know, a lot of times uh, Eric Pendel, the guitar player, will come up with a a sick riff or yeah. something, and I'm like, okay, let's work off of that. So there's not no real one way to to, not, to, but- to write. I I know that I struggle though a lot uh, as far as writing is writing. Um, once music is already 
put down. Like I've all, I'm always really, really concentrating on the. So if like melody. somebody gave you like an EP that had no vocals or lyrics, that would be more challenging for you than writing something new. To me, I can always sing over anything. Sure. Um, if I'm feeling it, but yeah, conceptually, like as far as like the melodies making sense and going from the verse to the you know pre-chorus or the chorus, like. Uh, a lot of times I'll be like, man, I just can't. I'll find like four or five different melodies mm-hmm. and I, I'll like them, but I, maybe I just won't love them. But, you know, Boyd's my our bass player. He's like, you're your own worst, worst critic. You just wrote like two things that I love, but why do you hate them? And I don't know, you know, so everybody's different, but I always fall in love with, I have to fall in love with the melody first. I have to. Um, that's the only thing that keeps me coming back. I wanted to talk to you about this real quick too. I don't want to take too much time. But I'll do it. I think it's interesting. Um, I have a friend, Scott. He is a super huge metal fan, hard rock fan, just music fan in general. Mm-hmm. But he and I, when we would go to shows, like he he would take me to Papa Roach and then like all these – he likes more heavy music. But he introduced me to all these hard rock shows and, and we would go to the show and I'd be like, dude, I, I want to watch the band. He'd be like, cool, man. I'm going to the pit. I'll be back. You know, And he, we, he would leave the show like with his shirt torn and sweaty <laughs> and like – Sounds like our I, early shows. I feel, I feel like he doesn't – he listens to music on a different uh, way than I do. We both equally love the music, but he's all about, like, the beat and the the riffs. He doesn't give a crap what they're saying. And, you know, and, like, we went to Slipknot. We went to – yeah. And, and I realize now that I'm like, okay, not everybody identifies with music the same way I it's do. True. Like, I listen to it for the melody and for the words and, like, what? how do I feel? But he does, too. He's, he's just like, how do I feel – from the beat, how do I feel from the, you know, whatever that is, right. the music. So I have to kind of just realize that. I, I think I write music more for melody and like what how I feel, why I love music. And um, sometimes musicians and stuff, they more connect with like the music part of it, the beat, the the riff and stuff like that. But right. to me, I won't listen to a song again if, if I didn't connect. I, I won't just listen to it because, it, oh man, this has some nasty riffs in it. Yeah. Um, where a guitar player will. He'll be like, dude, I you know. This Lamb of God song, I love it, you know. And I'm like, what is it about? And he's like, I don't care. You know what I mean? That listen to these riffs. Right. To me, I'm not that's just me, you know. I was always drawn to the energy and the lyrics, but I realized that what drew me to the lyrics was the melody. Correct. But I didn't realize yeah. that when I was a kid. I was just like, ah, it's got this energy and this fury, and I love it. Yeah. But it was really the melody behind the words that really did it. Yeah. 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 There's a band called uh Eric likes a band called Intervals. And I really think they're awesome. Their, their their music is incredible. But to me, the singing is just like, okay. It feels like the singer just went, like I'm talking about, like they wrote the music and then the singer comes afterwards. I could be wrong. And that's what the melodies feel like. They're like secondhand to the music. So yeah. he's like trying to build them around these riffs where I feel like the melody should be up. This should be the the forefront. It should be the, the reason for the music betting it. But, um, yeah, that's just my opinion, and <laughs> yeah. everybody's got opinions, and everybody feels music differently. One last thing that I really want to cover before you leave, we sure. can still talk beyond that, but you talked about earlier in the podcast some of the rock and roll trappings that you fell into. Mm. Um, how did you overcome that? Because I think that's a really important story for people, especially that are younger, that are just naturally going to go through those things anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that everybody has to hit rock bottom. Uh, and I, I definitely hit rock bottom. I, 
You have to you have to look at yourself uh, constantly, right? In life, I think you have to constantly self reflect. And uh, I've tried to do this so much, and sometimes I'm late to the the game, but at least I'm actively trying to self reflect. Um, and just speaking to that, you know, I hit rock bottom where like I was just in a really really dark place, and everyone has a different rock bottom. I, I mean, mine wasn't to the point where I was like you know, stealing. And I was definitely in a really dark place. And um, I just self-reflected to the point, man, where I was like, I just don't want this anymore. I just don't want this anymore. And uh, I have a really strong personality where, where it comes to like, if, if I commit to something, I'm done, I'm done, done. And for me, it was that easy. But I would strive to, to answer your question more clearly um, to get help, you know, to get help with, I know I didn't do that. But I know that's the right answer for, for kids and stuff and, and people that don't have that mentality. But, you know, my whole life, man, I, I've been like a super stubborn, strong, like if, if I set my mind to it, I'm going to get out of it. And good or bad. Correct. You could be stubborn Correct. in the wrong direction. Right, right. Yeah. And also, you know, I'll say this, uh, meeting my wife, it was was pivotal in 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 my turning my life around, you know. And you, I, I said but, in the intro, you're a father too. Yeah. 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 So like those things become more important. A big thing in life is to have something to live for. I know it sounds sad, but uh, I didn't feel like I had anybody that loved me or care, genuinely cared about me. You know what I mean? And as soon as I, I found somebody to share life with or like to to work for or to to make proud of me or, you know, yeah, right, right. that's what my wife was like. She turned my life around. It's like. I went from a darkness to like hope to like, okay, n now I have a reason to live. I have a reason to like want to live and, and like get myself out of that. You know, I, I didn't have, I didn't go to college. I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything in my life except for like try to strive to be a musician. Yeah. And where I'm at now, I'm pretty proud of. It, granted, I'm not like super successful, but I'm definitely uh, success story when it comes to getting out of that, that where I was to where I am now, you know, and, um, I, I attribute that to like good family, good people around you. Um, another thing I did too, man, is I just blocked all the bad people out. You have to consciously say, I'm cutting these people off and I'm starting over. You have to have like s strength within and be like, I don't need anyone to survive. I don't right, need people feel bad about doing that but you have to do it you have to do you it gotta and, cut them out yeah and 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 in doing so people will talk badly about you and be like oh you know he guy's changed, a jerk or he's so yeah. right whatever I, I i'm sure i can't you know imagine how many people have called me a jerk and uh and said bad things about me just throughout my whole life and maybe didn't understand the context of why i was doing things that i was doing you know maybe i was on uh you know in a low place in seven days torn or doing things like that but i think um I've always tried to be genuine, try to be a good person and, and build upon my, myself. And I, I'm always a work in progress, right? I, I mean, all these yeah. things are generic to say, but the, the, it, it's, it's true, true though. It's true. You always constantly have to try to be a better person, try to self-reflect. If I do something all the time, you know, let me know. And then I might tell you to F off right there, but I'll self-reflect and be like, maybe that person was right and apologize to him, you yeah. know, or whatever, you know? You've got to have a lot of really cool experiences up to this point. Yeah. Uh, my buddy and I were talking last night where we thought those were the best years of our lives. Sure. I don't think they are because now you're at that point. We all have that, like, that feeling like, man, if I could just go back, well, you right. don't have to. You can just yeah. go forward. 
right? Yeah. And that's where you're at now. You're about to put out a solo record. For all you know, mm. a year or two from now, you're touring as Anthony Solo Acoustic, living and playing the best shows of your life. Sure. It could be the best. It could be the best, yeah. And honestly, it's all about what is what is success to you. And success to me is this music thing, it will always be something I do. It's never... Never a thing that I, I won't do. You know, Frank said that too. He's like, I know why you're here because he's like the same reason I'm here because it's just in you. It's like, you know what I mean? I'm not looking to be some famous person. While while I would like to be a, a songwriter, a ghostwriter one day, you know, there's, I have aspirations and stuff like that. But I, I do music because I love it, man. And uh, yeah, every day I get to wake up and, you know, write new music and put it out. I mean, I'm just happy to be surrounded by good people and uh yeah, to put more music out, man. I, I really am. Yeah. And it's cool to see that evolution, like those first couple songs on the first record <laughs> to where you are now. Yeah. Like I like watching this the story continue on. Like, where is this gonna go? Sure. Sure. From being like the little skater punk rock kid yeah. to like doing like these, you know, 15, 20 minute songs that are just grandiose and all this. Yeah. It's like the story is gonna keep going. Yeah. And well, here's uh, I have a question for you. this is uh, interesting to me. Um I noticed, like, I, lo- I love the band Dead Eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're really yeah. good. And I, but I do notice that, like, rock music now is, like, a lot of people are doing tracks, right? Um, like, when I go watch a live show or whatever. Right, like backing tracks. Yeah, do yeah. you think that the that is something that will continue? Or do you think that, like, it's a good idea? Like, I, I'm kind of torn. I don't hate people for doing it. I, I get it. But I feel like... If you go out and you play, man, and 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 there's a band behind you or in front of you that has tracks, you kind of lose a little edge there because, like, you know, it, it just as far as sonically, right? Because um, you're not gonna have all the backing vocals or all the synths or and the all that synth, kind of right? And the thickness, yeah. So to me, it's it's I don't know, I don't know how to feel about it. So what, what's your thoughts on that? We do a lot of synths, especially in underground. Uh, we did a lot of synths, and we couldn't duplicate them live because we didn't have a keyboard player. Right. But every once in a while, Tony would come out there and do that. I never had like the technical know-how to like do something like that. Sure. So how do I feel about it? I feel like the, ultimately a show is a show, and yeah. it's probably it's probably a good thing so long as everybody's holding their own that is on the stage. Sure. Like if you got a bass player that really can't play the bass guitar, and there's a bass backing track going. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. But if it's like a a synth part or a gang vocal that sounds more full live, then I say make the show the show. It's for the people. Yeah. It's interesting though too. Like some bands will play the version of the song that had more musicians in it. And then when they're playing it live, those musicians aren't on the stage. And that's kind of weird too to me. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not a hater. Uh, and if I think no, it's, it's, a, it's good, a legitimate it's question because yeah. it's changed because back in our day, you either were playing it or you weren't. You right. know what I'm saying? And um, so I don't know, man. It, it, that, that's a, a question. Like uh, Rosabella has has that option as well, and we're kind of torn back and forth about you know doing those things, tracks and stuff. And but I went to go see Dead Eyes, and and you know I thought they were amazing, and they're I thought great. yeah, and the guys are super talented. Um, and that's just it. You know they're talented. Yeah, and, and they're good. They're good dudes. Now if they were up there and they had all the stuff going on like Motley Crue, it's like <laughs> I'm not sure these guys are that great. Give right. or take Tommy Lee. Right, right, right. And, you know, <laughs> we know Vince is. He's not holding it down. <laughs> right. Shout out to uh, Tony Corelli though. You mentioned him because uh, you know I, I I admire that dude. I think he's, he's so he, talented. Yeah, he does uh, a lot of a lot of things in, uh, for the right reasons too. Right. And, and I don't really know him. I, we, we talk here and there. If I see him, I'm like, but I'm always been intrigued by that dude. Cause he's, uh, 
he's in he's got his hands in a lot of things in town and i feel like he's always done music for the right reasons you know what i mean he's yeah. generally in love with music he and is. so that's why i feel like i would connect with him i i'm waiting for the reason to uh you know do something with him one day i'm sure our paths will cross yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a good dude man anyway it, thanks for coming on the, the podcast no problem thank you for having me Resting on the mountain I have made For miles and miles I go away Up on that hill now every day Every time I run I see the sun I find my soul now all alone It's my meditation, my escape Mirror, mirror on the you say, where did I go wrong? I'm hiding in the clouds with every little step I take. If only just the sun would smile on me. I'm fighting for you now with every little breath I take. But I the corner with the house where we lived and it ain't the same but for a moment I was home I remember the color of the trees the way my father used to be the day I left this place for more mirror mirror on the you say, where did I go wrong? I'm hiding in the clouds with every little step I take. If only just the sun would smile.